What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and welcome to episode 68, 69. It's going to be one of those. And just want to say, you know, I'm feeling grateful, feeling thankful as usual. And this morning, as I was self-reflecting during my meditation, it's just crazy to look back on what can happen in your life if you decide to take action on things. And the idea of this podcast, you know, I think back to August 2020, and this was just a vision. It was just an idea I had in my mind and and look at where we are at now. So I think it's so important that when you're listening and you're putting an hour into listening to these podcasts, besides just entertainment purposes, I really have the intentions for you guys to also take something away from it and start to implement it in your day-to-day life and take action on an idea. And as most of you guys know, the last couple of weeks, I had been you know, bringing a lot of guests onto the podcast. And these are individuals that I've been following uh, for 12 to 18 months. And it's almost like kind of like creeping, right? Watching them and making sure, you know, am I aligned with them, you know, and looking up to them and implementing their ideas and just, and as I was starting to bring these guests on, I started to really think about it from that aspect. Who is it that I look up to online? Who are the individuals that, you know, their messages and their posts resonates with me the most? And today's guest, I'm super excited, guys, to have this individual on the show. He's got a wealth of, oh, I sounded that funny, wealth. So we have a wealth of knowledge on a lot of these topics that I'm going to discuss with him. And you guys are also going to enjoy his accent. Uh, so I just want to say a couple of things about him before I bring him on. Uh, he's Like I said, he's got a wealth of knowledge. So he goes by the name of James Vance. He's a certified identity and success coach, certified NLP practitioner, certified timeline therapist, and a certified hypnotherapist who guides purpose-driven men to become empowered masculine leaders in their life, business, and relationships. With a master's degree in educational leadership, he taught and coached in public school system for 11 years, experiencing many trials and tribulations along the way. He was called to heal, transform, and up-level in his own life and relationships. And now he has a deep purpose and mission to lead a million men to transform and up-level their own intimacy, income, and impact. Thank you so much for jumping on, Jim. Hey, thank you so much, Muhammad. I really appreciate it. No, man. It's, I feel like it's a blessing seeing all these. <laughs> I, I feel like you, have, you know so much on so many different topics. I'm just curious. One of the questions that comes off the top of my head here is, I feel like you know, in the last you know, 100 or 200 or 300 or 400 years, right? What, I feel like the, I, I don't think the coaching, you know, uh, industry or men able to host group sessions and these one-on-one coaching and like we, we live in a time where as men we are actually consciously have to reach out to mentors and coaches and these groups and things right and i'm like i'm curious what happened along the way that men you know started to need this or was it like did we have this out all our lives you know back hundreds of years ago or like were hundreds of years ago were individuals reaching out to coaches and mentors in their community and like you know take me on like or is it that something happened to men along the way that now we consciously and have to be militant on reaching out for ideas and philosophies that can help us become successful men in life. Yeah, Uh, honestly, I think um, over time, so one of my degrees is history. So I love history. So Mm -hmm. uh, over time in in our past, we had, we were more tribalized. So in, in Mm -hmm. those, in those moments we had, um, elders in the community that we would reach out to that would lead God and direct yeah. and then as they grew, you know? And I think over time, since we've become more expansive as a society, 
Mm. We've grown out of local communities and we've become more isolated as men. Mm. And so as we become more isolated, we're left to deal with our own shit Mm. with ourselves. And so we see women all around us all the time reaching out and being looking for help. And the hardest thing for a man to do is ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've, I try to normalize the idea of asking for help mm. because it's, it's easy to live in your solitude yeah. and fall and fall apart in your solitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, wow. That's, and you said it perfectly. And it's interesting. I was thinking about really, if you look at the last hundred years, right, where, you know, now, uh, women are starting to work as well and we yeah. have daycare and all these things. So you grow up. I know from the age of nine, 10 and social media, especially in the last 20 years comes in. So it's like, you don't have that concept of mom and dad, and then they're raising their child. And the only other individual elder that this person will see is somebody at school. And then yep. they lives in a small communities compared to since the industrial revolution over the last hundred years where the farmers and their kids started moving out. I guess we don't have that, you know, coaching, we can call it, or that, you know, discipline, yeah. those lessons, and that's why we are where we are. That's that's interesting. And yeah. what do you think is like so important about this concept of the fact that like these like because I feel like myself as a I can't really help anyone. Individuals have to actually be already you know motivated to do something to make changes in their life, right? So I think one of the things actually the thought that I'm just going into right now is that like I'm grateful for these coaching in this industry and the self-development and like the masterminds that you can be a part of and the Facebook groups. And even like yourself, you know, doing what you do, it's like being able to find individuals like yourself, because that's how I have been able to grow. That's how I've been able to realize that like, it's okay to, you know, express my emotions and it's okay to, you know, do this and this and this stuff. And it's to be a man. And, you know, the things that, you know, if my father growing up told me don't cry. And I thought I was like, you know, and I never did and blocked my emotions. And then I see people, individuals online where I'm like, you know, no, this, this person says it's okay to do this and this. And like, and then I take on those lessons and, you know, in my life. Um, One of the things I was reading about you, like, what does a lot, timeline therapist does like i'm curious i've never even heard of that concept so um and i want to address what you just said i think a big thing that allows and then i'll and i'll ask your question but i think uh a big thing that for men is we have to be constantly seeking mm-hmm. and that's the masculine identity is we're constantly seeking more for ourselves better for ourselves development solutions logical point a to point b direction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if we're not in that space and we surround ourselves with people not moving in that space, Mm. we get lost in our own mind because we're in our mind, we're still doing it, yeah. but we're not finding people that are moving in the same direction. So uh, surrounding yourself with people, communities, mentors, things like that, Mm -hmm. where they, it's not that you're needing them to help you. Mm. You're needing them they're, you're needing them to teach you how to help yourself. Because mm. I, I feel like that's what I do. I unlock in men the ability to, to be their own rescuer mm. and, and learn how to ask yourself serious questions, learn mm. how to self-diagnose, learn how to become self-aware and mm. really start to maneuver your ship in the direction you want to go instead of allowing people, circumstances to move you all mm. the time. And I, I feel a lot, I see a lot of men that move that way. Mm-hmm. They, they allow their relationships to move them. They'll allow their families to move them. They allow 
the world to just tell them what to do and how to do it and where to go. And they never have a, a direction of their own. Mm-hmm. And so their identity is not their own identity. Mm-hmm. It's what the world tells them they should be as a man. Mm-hmm. So that becomes, but timeline therapy is a very, it's a cool concept. So what the premise is, is that all people create emotional attachment between the ages of zero and eight. Okay. So almost every emotional attachment you've created in your life is between zero and eight. Mm. And then after that, you start to develop stories around your emotional attachments. Mm. So you, you make those emotional attachments mean more than what they are. Mm. Instead of t- when you get, how old are you, mama? At 31. So at 31, you're still operating emotionally as a five-year-old. Mm. <laughs> and so what I teach men to do, and I, I walk them through several techniques where you're able to go back, collapse the attachment to the emotion and mm. learn how to reassign emotion healthy. Mm. And that way you're able to really become emotionally intelligent and decide like, do I need this emotion to express this, this problem? Mm. Because a lot of what we do as men is we express anger or fear and things like that, but they're based off of ideas that we were three and four years old and not having our needs met or not thinking things were happening the way we should have. They mm. sh- we think they should have happened. And so we've created these emotional attachments that allow us to become irrational, really, in our emotional capabilities to lead anybody. And, mm-hmm. so, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, like when your emotions are super high and out of control, your intelligence is super low and you're unable to, to think at a high level. Mm-hmm. Is this like the same as inner child work or like it's the- yeah, I, I'm, it's not the same as inner child work, but I, I do inner child work, too. Yeah. OK, OK. Just because like yeah, that's- so it's just like timeline. So we go through your timeline. I'll look through certain events where you created your attachment. So mm-hmm. you, you'd be surprised at how, how fast, because your conscious mind, like you and I are talking right now, you're hearing everything that comes in. Your subconscious is taking in everything outside of that. Mm-hmm. All the time, you have a computer that's recording information. Yep, yep. You can go back to that information at any point with, mm-hmm. with the right guidance. Mm-hmm. And you can pull it back up, look at it, learn from it, move on from it. Mm-hmm. I'm a big like learner, like see what it was. What can I learn? How do I apply for future? Mm. So like, I'm curious, that's actually, so if somebody, let's say had a, a, a traumatic childhood experiences where, you know, they were so traumatic that they actually forgot. And a lot of times in trauma, you know, like I'm 31 and I started to remember things in the last two, three years since I've started meditating and going to 10 day side meditation retreats and doing this like, you know, yeah. child work and all these things remember things that I had went through like you know I went through I totally forgot it's not like I totally didn't I just never acknowledged it so I grew up in Afghanistan and only in last year there Jim I started as I was doing this work and I'm like crying a lot and like through my meditations that things are coming up when my sister one day she's like dude you act like you forgot like the most important things that happened in your life and I'm like what are you talking about you know and she's like you were a child of war. Like we grew up where we've seen people's brains get blown up and we've seen, so it's like, you can't operate in life now and act like those moments didn't affect you. Yeah. And, and that's how I started to, you know, right. So now as a timeline therapist, right. Like how would you help someone remember those experiences? Mm. That they may not remember? I mean, there, there are certain techniques you can walk back through mm. to get them. It's almost a, a meditative state, mm. not a hip, not a hypnotic state, but more of a meditative state where you can recall certain events. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes it's so detailed, you you can't even believe you remembered it. Mm. And, you know, 
with certain traumas, we, our brain is smart enough to be like, Hey, we don't, you don't need to experience that all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it protects you until you're ready to see it again. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, with your high level of work, you're obviously ready to see again yeah. and that's okay. And accept like, Hey, I, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good thing. That's, that's probably one of the most important steps of, you know, when you're doing this healing stuff is like accepting that something's happened the way it happened and then forgiving yourself and actually processing it. That's uh, yeah. it's, it's probably the most freeing thing I've done for my relationships mm. and just with myself. And then with my wife is being able to accept myself, the good stuff and the shitty stuff mm-hmm. and, and allowing her to see that. Mm. And then she's like, Oh, I can trust you now. Yeah. Because I can't trust a man that's always perfect. Mm-hmm. I want to see the shit. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. Well, I, I like I like men the same way. Mm-hmm. Like when I work with men, I want men with a little dirt. I call it dirt under your nails. Yeah, of course. And we all have it, really, right? Yeah, we all do. You know, men men try to give you the perception of what they want you to think they are instead mm-hmm. of who they really are. Yeah. And I think it's like, and once again, I don't really, you know, like I, I have, you know, uh, empathy and love for all these men, right? Because it's yes. like, I was once one of them in a sense of where I didn't even know what I didn't know, right? I wasn't even aware of information that I know these days. You know, yeah. my early 20s, I was very low surface level relationships. Uh, I wasn't in touch <laughs> with myself at all, you yeah. know, so it's like. I can I can understand that how most people like I sometimes I don't get why most men are not doing the work or most men are not going after their you know goals and their dreams. Yes. But it's like I also can then I you know I build that empathy. It's like okay, Muhammad, you were once there where you didn't see it, right? You didn't know and you weren't aware. Yeah. Um, what do you think is like how important it is, you know, in our relationships, right? Like how important is a relationship? I guess I would say in the pursuit of helping you become your most masculine or most aware man in this day and age like how 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 much does a relationship help and i should say be specific a healthy relationship something that someone that's you know you're able to work with and build with and you know do everything with in a way how important is that in like helping you grow as a man i think the most important relationship is the relationship you have with yourself Mm. that 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 pursuit is the most important Mm. any relationship comes from that is going to be based on how you love yourself Mm. and how you respect yourself, how you trust yourself. Mm. Those are going to, those are going to manifest into your other relationships. Mm. And I feel like a lot of men have traded their identity as a man to be in in a relationship Mm. before the idea of love. Yeah. Instead of falling in love where they are with Mm. themselves and I know that sounds kind of maybe corny and cliche, but it's like you gotta no, love the, you gotta love the man you are, yeah, so that you can show up in a place to be loved, yeah. And it's hard for men to understand that, and we're so outwardly given. The masculine is the giver, mm-hmm. the feminine is the receiver, yeah. And so we're always giving, 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 but we gotta realize like the giving starts with us, like, mm-hmm. and we learn to love that, learn to build that relationship, be solid as hell there. Mm-hmm. Like then we can pursue other relationships. And like you said, they need to be relationships, growth oriented. Yeah. Responsibility on each person, not on the relationship, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you just, yeah. What you said about loving ourselves first, like I'm so big on that. And like, it's been 
my journey of learning, you know, I, I didn't love myself as much as, I, you know, I don't love my, I love myself so much now than comparing to back in the day. And I was recently in a men's circle and someone asked, you know, it was like, oh, let's go around and talk about what's one thing that you're super proud of in the last 12 months. And my answer actually was, you know, the, how much I have just started to love myself. And I'm proud of that, you know, mm-hmm. and because it's just led to more growth, better relationships, more self-awareness, attracting better partners, you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, when you were saying that, I don't think it's cliche at all. And that's yeah. the crazy thing is that the men that I always say in this podcast, like the men that listen to this and you get triggered or you feel resistance when you just heard me and Jim talk about loving ourselves and being there for ourselves and all those things. If you actually have some resistance building up when you hear this, I would highly suggest you to dig deeper within that trigger yes. and be like, you know, why am I finding resistance towards this individual talking about loving myself because he's not talking about like loving him. He's telling me that like one of the best things is to love myself. And why am I building resistance? So that's a, that's a lesson there that you could, you know, journal, do some compassionate journaling and figure that out right now. Why did I, Absolutely. why am I have resistance towards the idea of loving myself? Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, Jim, I totally on that. Go, no, go ahead. With your yeah. Book. I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a day-to-day process, you know? I have had people ask me tons of times, like, what changed in you? And I said, I, I just started choosing every second. Mm. I chose every second for myself. Like, mm-hmm. I, I chose to show up for myself every day. I chose to love myself every day. I chose to respect myself. I chose to trust myself and my moves and, and how I showed up to the world. Mm. Because there was a large part of my life where I questioned everything I did. Yeah, I, I was looking for approval for everything I did. Mm. I didn't accept who I was as a man out in space. So mm. then I had to start choosing those things. And the more I chose them, the more I could just embody and, and show up that way every day. Mm. And now I still do. Like, it's just part of who I am. Yeah. It's, it's a process that I wake up and that's what I do. Mm. It's a yeah. lifestyle. I like to say, yeah, uh, yeah lifestyle. What, it, what does in on a practical uh, way, like, what does that look like? How can someone, you know, start loving themselves and what does that look like you know share some things that maybe you have mm. done on your journey uh could it be journaling working out like yeah you know what that looks like i think all the above i mean mm. obviously I, i'm a firm believer like your i call it like your form like who you are as a man your health your body mm. is like your portal to your purpose mm. so if you're not if you're not really taking care of yourself you're numbing out every day you don't have to go lift a million pounds. You don't have to run 9,000 miles, but it's, are you putting an effort on who you are as a, in a, in a physical form every day mm. to really say, Hey, I, I want to take care of this vessel because this vessel holds my message to the world. Mm. And do I take care of myself on a spiritual level every day? Mm. And do I, do I meditate? Do I journal? Do I read? Do I consume? Do I have mentors? Mm. Every day, do I ask myself tough ass questions? Mm. Do I hold myself responsible for the way I show up to the world? Mm. Um, and then, you know, I feel also just learning like to accept yourself, like mm. look at yourself in the mirror every day. This is one practice I did is like, I would say every day for, I did this for, like, I think about six months straight. Every day I, I, I looked in the mirror every, every night before I went to bed and said three things I loved about myself. Mm. That's amazing. And, like straight in the eyeballs. And then three things that I forgave myself for. Mm. And then three things 
that I wanted to bring into this world through mm. myself. Mm. And I just did that every day. And every day I changed it. Mm. So I, 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 the three things I loved, I changed every day. Mm. I want to find new things I love about myself. So I could really start to see mm. myself from my own eyes instead of what the world told me I was. Mm. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you do you journal? Oh, yeah, all the time. Nice. What would you like? What type of journaling do you do? And in the sense of like, what do you journal about? Or in you know, like I'm so every day I when I wake up, uh, so I, I wake up early and I go to the gym at like six thirty in the morning. So mm-hmm. I sit in the parking lot and I first thing I do is I journal all my gratitudes for the day. Nice. That's that's something I do every day. Mm-hmm. It, it never leaves. Um, and then I'll ask like kind of my intentions for my day as a man. Mm. and i write out like how i want to be very specific intentionally with what i'm going to show up to do Mm. with my world Mm. and as things pop up so like i mean obviously things wounds pop up for me still being Mm. in a relationship my Mm. wife's a coach she is a fucking powerhouse Mm. and so she challenges me on a daily basis to be in the highest self Mm. and so as things pop up if it does if it's like a a worth thing, or if it's a, um, a, a good enough thing, whatever it may be, I would put in like, you know, what do I need to learn from that situation? Mm. Just write it down. That what does that mean about my worth as a man? Mm. What does that mean about this? I always try to relate it back to what does that situation mean about me? Mm. And mm. a lot of times, it doesn't mean anything about me, but, or what can I learn from that situation that would move me forward? Mm. So any, any conflict I come in, in contact with, I'm huge on conflict. I like conflict. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's, it's probably the most important growth tool we have. Yeah. Most people dodge it. Like it's the damn plague, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the most in, in a relationship conflicts, the most important growth tool for the relationship. Mm-hmm. You find out how to grow together. Yeah. So my wife and I, we, it's not that we fight all the time, but we use conflict as a, as a platform for growth. Mm-hmm. We're always growing ourselves together because we we're able to identify our own shit mm-hmm. inside of the conflict. And then we can heal the relationship through that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But I'm always, I'm big on questions. So I just, I'm, I'm, I know you're probably the same way. Whenever I get into situations that don't feel set right with my mm-hmm. soul, they don't feel good. Mm-hmm. I start asking myself a series of questions. Mm-hmm. I just look at questions I can take responsibility for. Mm. I just want to take responsibility personally for everything that's going on in my world. Mm-hmm. And if, even if it's like I'm in a conflict with somebody, even if it's my, not my shit that's being brought to the table, mm. I'm like, who was I being in that moment that triggered that situation? Yeah. And then, so I can just start seeing myself more and more clear. So mm-hmm. as I step through the day, I can adjust and move in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. I was like thinking about, like I always say, there's lessons in all our triggers, you know, anything that's yes. so in a relationship, anything that's a trigger, it's just another lesson, another way to just dig deeper and be like, okay, why am I being triggered by, you know, why are these emotions coming up in this moment? What is these yes. emotions trying to teach me right now? Um, which comes down to the question, which, yeah, I'm so big on questions. And like, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, he said quality questions leads to a quality life. 
And I've yes. started and been asking myself questions for like four or five years, actually. And I also learned this on a podcast from Tim Ferriss. He once shared and he started to do this for himself. And he asked himself this question, how can I love myself better in this world? Yep. And I asked myself that for like six months. And it's interesting. It just le- it's crazy what can happen, right? Which I'm aware of what's happening. You know, I'm just putting my mind to work, right? When I'm asking a question, mm-hmm. but it's just fascinating what can happen. You know, when you ask yourself that question, of how can I love myself more? How can I, you know, earn an extra thing a month? Yeah. And how your mind actually goes to work and makes things happen, right? Um, yeah. So I, when I used to teach, I, this is this is how I learned this concept. Is so I taught a I taught a college level class in the high schools. Mm-hmm. So so all my kids got college credit, mm-hmm. but in that space, I would teach them how to take tests by asking themselves questions. Mm. Not by you would read the question and then ask yourself questions. You can find an answer in five seconds. Mm. And so I would teach them how to ask questions to yourself to find an answer. Mm. And so I would apply that to myself and I would teach them to apply that. Like you can apply this everywhere you go. The more you seek the answer here, Mm. the easier the answer will show up for you. But if you start asking me, asking him, asking her, the answer is going to evade you because you're in pursuit of Mm-hmm. And you're not yourself when you're asking externally, right? It's, yes. not, it's not a good form of self-discovery. No. If you ask yourself, it's much more better, right? Yeah. Um, I'll, like, what are your thoughts on gratitude? Like, I, I know you said you practice it, uh, but like, how important, like, what, what would, how, uh, like, for me, I all gratitude everything. Like, six years ago or so, I started practicing gratitude. Before I was meditating, before I was doing this inner work or before yeah. anything. I just started saying three things I'm grateful for. Like, I'm so happy and grateful yeah. for this, this, this. And uh, that has led to a journal and has led to like, when I have a published book on it and everything like that, it's like drastically changed my life. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm curious what your, your thoughts are. I feel um, as a man that I can't be trusted with my desires if I'm not thankful and grateful for what I have right now. Mm. And, and, and this has been, this is the battle that I've, I've faced. And one of the big ones is, learning to be because I'm, I'm a very like high achieving person. Mm-hmm. So I, when I find a goal, I go get it. And I'm, I'm like forward focus going to get it all the time. The problem is, is I'm not um, present where I'm at and mm-hmm. I'm not able to see myself in the journey and learn from what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And so what I've had to really learn to do is slow myself down in the process, especially in, in the business I'm in you get so fo- focused in on building a business and building a company and, mm-hmm. and growing and expanding. You, you take, you, you forget to take time to be grateful for what is happening in your world right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. What do you have? Who's coming to you? How are you helping? How are you impacting? Yeah. Um, and like, what are you blessed by mm-hmm. every day? Mm-hmm. And it's when you start to just slow down, you forget like, the end of the road. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I want to feel this feeling every day. Yeah. And I want to feel that level of just, it's, it's, it's like peace. Yeah. When I, when I, when I feel it like unease is when I'm not centered and in, in, in grounded in, in gratitude in the moment. Mm-hmm. No, it's when it, I'm, I'm just stressed out over mm-hmm. here, over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gratitude has done wonders for me, man. Like it's, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, for me, and I was actually talking about this idea on the podcast, especially being present. And one of the things as entrepreneurs and overachievers, something I've noticed and I'm learning myself is, you know, 
they always say, right, the magic is in the journey. You know, it's not the destination. You want to enjoy the process. And it's taken me probably a year or so where I've started to learn and enjoy the process so much more. Probably in the last six months, I have become way more present, even though there's moments. And I think that's where I've noticed from the, you know, very successful people out there that the ones that are really happy and grateful for their journeys are the ones that have actually learned to enjoy the process and the journey itself. Right. And I think the number one practice that I believe that can help you become more present is gratitude because gratitude actually by practicing gratitude, it helps you become present because in those moments you're actively focused on things that you're grateful for in your life right now. And if I say, I'm so happy and grateful for this Mm. podcast, for example, I'm present in that moment. So, and it's yeah. like a realization I'm having recently. When I, when I do, pro, when I run programs for guys, I, the initial thing is to, to ground in the gratitude. So every day they have to post their gratitudes and I try to get them very specific about the day. Mm. So, you know, it's very easy to do like, I'm thankful for life. I'm grateful that I'm breathing. I, mm. I know those things. I'm grateful for those things. Yeah. I want to be specific about, like, what am I grateful for? Actually, like I concentrated in and I thought like, man, that mm. moment right there, I felt that mm-hmm. like, I feel grateful there. I feel beautiful there. Mm. And so when I feel like when I started getting very specific with my gratitudes about mm. moments, events, mm. people, opportunities, yeah, it's when it started to expand for me because mm-hmm. that, that state, that feeling that comes from that, you're like, I want to expand that feeling. Mm, no, that's yeah. so, that's such a good point too, in the sense of to like, it can get very uh, normal to just be like, I'm so happy and grateful for life and this and that, yeah. but like to get specific on the day, you know, that's something like I'm actually making a note in my head, like tomorrow morning or even after this podcast to just, you know, focus on a couple of things I'm grateful for right now about today and what I'm going to do and what's going to happen for me. Cause yeah. that's, really that's when you're really getting present yeah it's it's finding the things that light you up in your day mm-hmm. because those are the feelings you want to expand that's the emotion that you want to kind of push forward mm-hmm. you know we all we're all grateful for life i wake up every day man i'm thank god that i woke up mm. but you know how grateful were you for that interaction you had with somebody at the grocery store Mm. that brought you a new awareness or that opened up this door over there. Did you even acknowledge that moment? Mm-hmm. Did you even acknowledge somebody um, offering to pay for your food in, in line in front of you? Like just acknowledge like, man, I'm just grateful. Or did you pay for somebody's food and were, did you have gratitude for the ability to do that for somebody else? Mm. And just those are the moments we want to expand because gratitude, when we focus in on gratitude, that expands mm-hmm. like those feelings expand mm-hmm. and, and that's what I want to expand. But those things that light my soul up, that make me feel full and complete. That's what I want to have in every moment. Mm. No, I trust me. That makes total sense. Do you like, I was, I made a post yesterday. I'm like, there's 45 days left in 2021. What do you, one of my mentors was like, what intentions are you setting? What are you like, what are you, what are your plans for 2022? And it's interesting how we were just talking about being present, you know, and now we're going into yeah. that came up, but like, I'm curious, how are you, uh, you know, thinking about 2022 or are you, are you a forward thinker to that thinking? 18- oh yeah, absolutely. 
my wife and I, we run a business together. So we do every Sunday we have business meetings mm-hmm. and we sit down for two or three hours every Sunday and we plan out the week. We plan, we plan out um, kind of what's coming in financially, what's going out financially. We have an abundance meeting. We do all kind of, we do meetings every week, That's every, it. every Sunday, mm-hmm. but, and then every month we have a, a monthly meeting and then we do a quarterly meeting. Mm-hmm. So we've already planned out our quarter and we started laying out tracks for 2022. We yes. just, we try to make sure where we want to go in our mind is aligned with where, who we're being. And what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes your, your ideas in your brain aren't what's aligned with who you're being in the world. Mm-hmm. So you either got to up level who you're being mm-hmm. or you got to align your goals with your identity. Yeah. What I was thinking about was like, so it's like, think about your goal. If, you know, if I think I'm going to say this right. So it's either, are you going to increase, if your goal is a big goal, are you going to either increase your activity or decrease your goal? You know, so, so that. And, and I always say is, are you going to up-level the person you are? So this is where the identity, because this is the identity piece, because yeah. you can't, you can't outperform your identity. So mm-hmm. you can do a thousand activities and have the identity of uh, a minimum wage worker, mm-hmm. you, you will return to the minimum wage worker at some point. Mm. So if you want to have a million dollar bank account, you got to become an, you have to have the identity of a millionaire. Mm. You got to upgrade that, that person. Who is, what is that person? Who, do, who are they? Mm. How do they think? How do they move? How do they develop themselves? What mm. questions do they ask themselves? what activities they perform every day. Mm. And then, and if, if you look at those things and you look at what you do and they don't align, then you have to align there or go or decrease the goal mm. because you can't do a bunch of activity. You can't move your feet and expect the achievement to come to you. You got to improve the person mm. to reach the achievement. That's so true. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, might not even know that, you know, I would you, if someone came to you and you're like, you know, Jim, I want to change my life. And in the shortest answer possible, I, what would your answer be? Like, Jim, I want to change my life. You know, I don't like the person I am. I don't like, you know, the things that are happening in my life. Like, what would be your answer to that? Well, you got to take responsibility for your life. Mm. That's, that's probably the, the thing that I've learned the most in, in coaching is, with men, they have to take responsibility for everything that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to put blame on the world. It's so easy to put blame on, on your family, to put blame on your situation. Mm. But when you take responsibility, then like, it's your shit. Like yeah. where, where your ship goes, you're driving it. Mm-hmm. You get to decide every day where it's going. You get to take responsibility for where it doesn't go. Mm-hmm. And be okay one way or the other, but learning to take, I mean, radical responsibility for who you are as a person will shift. And I mean, when I say radical responsibility, that means every situation you get into, you're asking, who am I being that's bringing this into my world? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't give a, I mean, if it's the worst things, like two cars, my two tires blew out on my car, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I being today? What's my energy like? Mm-hmm. How am I going to move forward? Am I going to allow this two, two tires to blow out to ruin my whole day? 
mm-hmm. or am I just going to get my tires fixed and move throughout my day? Mm-hmm. And really just being responsible for every step. Yeah. And, yeah. That's so good. And I, so the book by Jocko Willink, I think he talks about like responsibility and I talk, oh, yeah. I'm a big believer of this. I say, you know, like once you take full responsibility for your results and everything that's happening in your life, the good and the bad, and then you realize like you are fully responsible for all this. And then it actually leads to more self-awareness. It leads to more understanding because you're like, okay, because a lot of people don't even probably, we grow up in a way, like even myself, I would say growing up in a first world country, coming from a third world country, going like there's probably some form of entitlement within my character. And it's so easy to just think like, okay, the government and the state and, you know, this and that, my job, my career, my, this, my parents, all this, they're going to take care of me. Even but really, it's like once you take full responsibility and realize that the results that I have right now, it's actually I am the one fully responsible for these. Yeah. And I have I feel like for me, taking full radical responsibility in my life, my actions and the fact that the reason why I am right now here today is based on my own actions, based on my own manifestations, based on the things that I've been thinking and doing. It has actually led to massive changes. That's a great answer to yeah. you know, wanting to change your life. You know, how can you change your life? You start taking no radical responsibility. It is. I, I think too, like you said, it's um, you have to really be consumed with the idea that no matter how good or bad it is, like you're responsible mm-hmm. and it's okay. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. If it's a bad day, you can fix it. Mm-hmm. If it's a good day, you can continue it. Mm-hmm. You get to choose al- along the way because it's so easy to, have the bad day be somebody else's fault, mm-hmm. but you're the one living with it. Yeah. And so either if you're living with it, then it needs to be your responsibility. And you, give that, and you give that person power. Yeah. And I was, yeah, exactly. I was, that's what I was about to say. I cut you yeah. off. So you're giving somebody else power when you do that, you know, by not responsibility. So, and I, and I want to have all the power when it comes to which way I'm moving every day. Mm-hmm. And you're, everybody has shit. Everybody has circumstances. Everybody has wounds. Everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. We're all bringing stuff to the table. I, I believe like you were saying, the more responsibility you take, mm-hmm. the more awareness you have because you start to really see yourself mm-hmm. where you don't take responsibility, where you do yeah. take responsibility, what you let slide, mm-hmm. what, what standards you do hold for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to like, okay, I need to up level this up level that stop taking this, this discounted version of, of a relationship from this person, mm-hmm. core re- friendships over here. I need to up level everything. Exactly. Like this sounds like me, like early twenties, you know, I was always had this desire and goals to be a self-made millionaire one day and be wealthy one day and all these things. And it's interesting that as I started to take full responsibility and build that self-awareness, I started to understand more of like, what's actually the things that's holding me back, the things that the friendship that's holding me back. I started to realize that, you know, the actions that I was taking on a daily basis, you know, drinking and partying, it's not congruent with me wanting to make a lot of money and be wealthy. And like that self-awareness, that process led me to, you know, where lead to more understanding and better changes and things happening in my life because I actually started, which comes down to the asking questions, right. Where I like the process made me realize for myself, which is self-awareness in a way you could say that like, Oh, wow. 
I'm trying to be a self-made millionaire by the time I'm 30 or 35 yet. I'm, you know, going to the club and partying and drinking on the weekend. Yeah. And you're like, this does, this does not make sense. Right. So it's like, if I want to be that person, that person, you know, does this on the weekend, this, that person doesn't drink, that person has goals and journals and has intentions set and sets his goals 12 months ahead of time and understands and reads books and all these things. Right. Um, so you're shifting, I, you're shifting your identity to match the goals that you have for your life. Mm-hmm. I know. I, al- I know. I always get a lot of people. So I'm not really familiar on L- NLP. Right. But yeah. I have a lot of friends that tell me that the way you talk, the way you operate in your life, the way you do sales, everything is like you yeah. are full on an NLP practitioner. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, but like, I've never actually taken courses on it or anything like that. Yeah. I have read a little about it in the sense of what it might be, but if what's uh, like, so I, I did sales for the last, yeah. yeah, I did sales for the last six years or hmm. five years, four or five years. Okay. I, I left each and then I got into corporate sales Okay, and I went and got certified and I'm telling you, it, it shifts everything. Mm. Just, I mean, it's just language and body language and mm. being able to move people with words. Mm. It's very, it's very powerful. Yeah. And it, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer communication mm-hmm. is probably your most important skill set. Of course. Of course. Learning how to talk to people, learning how to communicate with outcomes in mind. Mm. learning how to create forward movement and common ground for each person to kind of have a space in the conversation mm-hmm. and in sales it's it's been powerful in coaching it's absolutely off the charts powerful mm. how could i like so i could like use nlp because i was curious like is this something like um like how could i use it to help myself and it's like it does does it have to be let's say it was sales or like with my own life no i mean it, it it's obviously like it starts breaking, you break down, it's, it's a form of using models and this is what you do. Okay. You, you find people that are successful, mm-hmm. you see how they operate Yeah. and you model your behavior after them. Mm, okay. And so what NLP does is it speeds up that process. Mm. So you're able to look at, Hey, this person's successful because they do ABC. Mm. They, they have these daily activities and then how do I take that and model that behavior and into my own life mm. through my own words, through my own language? Hmm. And so it becomes and there's different techniques, but that's one of the basis of NLP is using modeling. Yeah. I think his name is Banter, Ban- I can't, Bandler. That was his name, Bandler. Okay. He was one of the creators of NLP. Okay. And he was a big model person. He liked to look at people that were super successful mm-hmm. and model how they got at that, that place. Mm. And so he would build models around it and he, and he used language to model. Hmm. And so it was pretty cool how he did it. That's interesting. And yeah, yeah like I feel like, so when it comes to, let's say I, I, I'm very aware that communication and speaking like is powerful. You know, the, the words yeah. that I create, the experiences that I live. And also when it comes to interacting with other individuals, whether it's in business relationship or any interaction, like I am very well aware of the power of communication, tonality, speaking high and low. And yes. all these, like I'm, and I've just 
I guess I've learned it through just reading books off on like how to increase my communication skills. I have read yeah. a lot of books on communications and, you know, tonality and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but body posture, uh, yeah, things like body, that, or right? rapport is what they call it a good bit, mm-hmm. which is I, huge. I used to play a lot of poker. So from, uh, so I was a very like ambitious kid from the ages of 16 to 21. So I got, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've shared this on the podcast before, but so like at 16, I got charged for trafficking and I was a very rebellious kid. I went through, you know, drugs and the whole nine yards. And then, you know, parents were like, you better get a job or you kicked out of the house. So I ended up getting a job. And then I had some friends that played professional poker. Like he was a, like one of them was a nurse. Another one was like, a, they, they had regular jobs, but their goals were yeah. to become professional poker players in the next three years. And they would like play six, seven hours a day. Uh, and they were like six, seven years older than me at the time. Right. So one of them, I started to learn poker from them. I would go and sit, watch them while you play eight to 10 tables and I would watch how to get good at it and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so I learned, I read a lot of books on psychology and body posture and stuff like that. Cause I would go to these underground games that I wasn't allowed to be, but my friends and their parents, like they, they would allow me to come play with like, you know, 30, 40 year olds. And I got, like, I was really good. I would make money. Yeah. poker. Like I played it till I was 21, 22 and I've played a couple like professional tournaments and stuff like that. Um, but that's something that taught me a lot about, I would say, just understanding the other person, you know, body yeah. posture, like hands, you know, if you're by the door and somebody is like their hands out like this, or so, like there's so many different little clues that you can take mm-hmm. on someone when you're having a conversation with them without them saying anything. Right. Yeah. And in sales and I mean, in coaching and just in general, it's how you use language and mm-hmm. then how that language affects people. Mm-hmm. And you can watch people move by yeah. the words you use. Mm-hmm. And different tonality, different, uh, the way you move physically. Yeah. Um, the level of language you use with mm-hmm. certain people. Yeah. Or, uh, cuss words, things like that, where, you know, like Tony Robbins, he does it a good bit where he'll say things just to shock the hell out of you. Yeah. And then it's like, he can get you back in the state where he can talk to you. Yeah. Because sometimes the home drone language it puts people into a trance. And so you have to break them out of where they are so they can be, and it, it, it offends people, but it's also a way to kind of snap them into a reality that where they are is not where they want to be. Mm. And you can, by the words you say, and, and I, I've worked with hundreds of men now and, <laughs> and I watch people. So this is, I do a lot of in-person and I do a lot of zoom. So, I watch people and when I talk, I can see how their body moves. I can see how their face moves. I see how their eyes move. Mm. I see the color of their skin. I watch how firm things get, how soft things get. Mm. I'm paying attention. Anytime I'm in conversation with people, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, I'm like you, I'm looking at everything that moves. Yeah. That gives me cues as to where I'm moving with my language. Mm -hmm. What, what's going to push a button. Mm. What's going to make them feel comfortable. And do I want to not make them feel comfortable? And that's kind of the, the game I play with myself. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. And I think it's just a, you know, someone listening to this right now and they're like, wow, that's really cool. And I feel like I've had a lot of friends where they're like, you know, that seems almost like, you know, you're like, you're being articulate or, you know, 
in getting into conversations and like you're like using people in a sense but it's like no it's like you are just actually it's a form of self-awareness it's a form of understanding yes. your own self right um what would you say out of all the certifications that you have done which one of them would i will say would you say has helped you more towards your own process of doing your own inner work um i think um I wouldn't even say the certifications. Mm. So I, I would say life. Yeah. So, I mean, I have, you know, I probably have like four degrees. I have several certifications and I, I'm, I have all those things. Yeah. And the work came from me going through adversity, mm. going through struggle, mm. facing the darkness mm. and there was no paper that I received that could get me through that. Yeah. <laughs> there, you know, there was me and the, the situation. I love there that. Was, and so it, it becomes then do I, do I fold to the situation? Yeah. Or do I develop a muscle to work through the situation? And do I find mentors to help me through that situation? Mm. And I did a, a combination. You know, I, I've been through a ton and I've seen a lot of bad things and I know you have too. And mm. um, every time I face a situation, I get tougher. Mm. I grow, I grow deeper as a man. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always looking for a little adversity because for me, and I tell my wife this probably every six months, I'm like, I need, I need a little challenge in life mm -hmm. because when I'm in challenge, I feel alive. And I know that I'm hyper aware of the work I need to do to up level mm -hmm. and I'm zero focused in and, and I built that now in the beginning, when I was going through the shitty situations, I was a mess, mm -hmm. but I had to learn, I had to learn to face adversity, not as this was something to break me, but this was something to build me. Mm. And as, as I learned to build me, and develop me as a man. And I like, I always, I feel like I just, I built a machine now. Like mm. I can face situations, mm. see them grow from them, face situations, see them grow from them. And mm. I've seen things that are break most people. And I've gone through things that are break a lot of people. Mm. And I've come out like stronger. I've come out tougher. I've come out, I've grown deeper as a man. Mm. And every time now it's like, what do I, how do I, how can I grow from this place? Mm -hmm. How can I grow from this place? Like you asked that question, how can I love myself more today? Mm. That's it. Like what kind of work can I do on myself today? That'll make, give love to me as a mm. man. No, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. And yeah. And it's interesting as you were, yeah, it's just sharing that because yeah, I think it's so powerful, you know, to, and me, myself, I actually, so I come from a family of academics, but myself, I barely made it out of school. I'm not a, you know, academic yeah. university kid or nothing like that. And, you know, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people in my inner circle and students that look and admire the person I have become in this day and age. And it's interesting. I, and someone was to ask me, I always say that you learn the most from the pain. And I always say the cure, it, the cure for the pain is in the pain. And I read this somewhere once. And so it's like, the best lesson on my journey has been by 
making a decision to pay attention to all the feelings that come up and listen to my body and just get deep within myself, spend more time with myself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's been the best lesson. And it's interesting. I'm so glad that you shared that with me because I didn't, I respect anyone that's got the degrees and the masters and the doctorates, you know, they, they, that's, that's hard to spend yeah. years of reading and studying and doing tests and all these things. Uh, so I, 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 I honor that, but it's interesting that the most of them that I do talk to, they're like, but the most, you know, contribution towards my growth and my healing was, you know, the pain, the paying attention and the adversity that came and by me choosing to face that adversity and not giving into it. Right. And of course, the information and the knowledge that you gain along the way was, you know, it's helped you make the decisions that you have made. Right. Um, yeah, that's so awesome. And I, I, so told it's you like, that. I always say it's like sitting in a fire mm-hmm. and you can learn to sit in the fire because, you know, swords are forged in fire. Mm. They heat them up and they beat them. They heat them up and beat them. They form mm. them. They shape them. Yeah. Or you can be like plastic. You put in fire and melts. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and, and I've taught the men all the time about you got to learn to be comfortable sitting in the fire yeah. because you're going to face it more mm. than you desire. You're going to see it more than you want to. So if it's a rel, if you're going to see it on a regular basis, you're going to face it in many seasons of your life, mm. you need to get comfortable with the heat. Mm-hmm. You get to get comfortable there and, you know, and face it. I, I do this and, you know, this is probably a, not even related, but it is related. So every day I, I, I work out every day and I go and I sit in the sauna, 180, mm-hmm. 180 degrees for 30 right. minutes every day mm-hmm. after my workout. And it's like, you know, 10 minutes in, you're good. 15 minutes in, you're like, ooh. This is getting uncomfortable. 20 minutes in, you're like, oh, okay. I say the clock. Yeah. But it's can you sit in that heat? Because it's good for your body, it's good for your mind. Mm. Can you feel comfortable with discomfort? Yeah. And grow in that space because that's where you find your your meaning to move forward. That's where you find your reason to grow. Mm-hmm. Your desires come from not wanting to be in the situation you're in now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to be here mm-hmm. and I got a face now to get there. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I, I feel like most men want to be, you know, more self-aware and make money and be stronger and have the dream girl. And I think what's really killing that desire and that dream is not that they're not willing to work for it. It's more like comfort. You know, we live in a world where like, you know, you get off work and, and I'm, this is from experience. I believe that, you know, empires are built. If you have a nine to five empires, are, empires are built between that, uh, what you do after five till 2 PM yeah. at night. Right. So when you come home, are you watching Netflix and this marathon and ordering food and watching a favorite show and have a fantasy football yet, you know, if you're not spending, like I've done this with individuals and clients where it's like 168 hours in a week, you know, 60 hours for sleep, 30 hours for eating and making your meals, 20 hours for this and 40 hours for work. You end up having an extra 30 hours that you're like, well, what am I doing with this? Oh, I'm watching this marathon fantasy football, this, that if I actually took that time and used it to just grow as a person or work out or to start that side hustle or whatever it is that I want, it's game over. Like it's actually game over. Right. And I think that's, the craziest thing is like, yeah, it's comfort is very deadly. And I think that's why it's very 
uh, important to be consciously aware and consciously build challenges in your life, consciously go out there and do things that gets you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think that's where there's so much growth that can unfold if you decide to start just getting uncomfortable in your life. Yeah. And in learning to be somebody that likes the work Mm. because the average human desires comfort. They desire not to work. Yeah. They want to do everything that frees them from the responsibility of having to do more. Yeah. (laughs) And so the people that achieve, the people that are super successful, the people that all are always progressing and you're looking at, Mm -hmm. it's because they've got comfortable making themselves accountable to work. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I know in order to achieve this, I have to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I have to work a little harder. I have to improve myself in these areas. I have to set goals for this. I have to Mm -hmm. wake up a little earlier, stay up a little later, Mm -hmm. you know, read another book, make another post, reach out to another 25 people, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. but they've got comfortable with the work. Mm -hmm. So you got to get comfortable with the things that make you feel uncomfortable, but they're not, they're not really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They just, you have built a story that work makes you uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. work, the discipline to do the work that makes you like Jocko said, it it gives you freedom. Mm -hmm. No, it's so true. One last question here. It's right at the top of my head. I like to just go in my heart anything that comes up right for these podcasts i never like plan or what i'm gonna do or anything like that right i just focus one hour of going in the flow so i'm curious you know let's say i'm someone uh like you know for example you know you have a client that is like that we're taught to don't cry don't express your emotions yeah all these things and they come to you and they are like first of all you know not proof to me but tell me that you know by expressing my emotions or crying it's going to lead me to a path of becoming a better man, you know? So what would you tell that person? Or how would you really explain to them that it's okay to be in your emotions? It's okay to express your emotions. And I'm, this is, I'm assuming that you're, you're someone that's okay with that. That's like, that's an advocate of, you know, f- feeling and processing oh, yeah. and f- accepting your emotions. Right. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm highly in tune with my emotions. <laughs> um, no. So the first thing I would I would ask him a question is like up until this point, how has evading your emotions served your life? Mm. That would be that. That's a good question. And like, how has it served you moving forward? How has it served you in relationships? Mm. How has it served you into feeling okay with yourself every day? How has mm. it served you into being able to get the anger out of your body, the anxiety mm. out of your body? Then it's if I said these things to somebody about how I feel, not my emotion, because we, we, we misconstrue the idea of what an emotion is versus what a feeling is. Mm. And so a lot of times the emotion is the reaction. The feeling is what we're actually feeling. It's like, so mm. I may, I may get angry that my wife didn't hear what I said. Mm. And so I respond with my emotion of anger. Mm. So she therefore won't hear anything I say. So I need to respond to her in a way that says, Hey, I feel, I feel Mm -hmm. like when I talk to you, sometimes you're not listening to me Mm -hmm. and I want nothing in the world more than the ability for us both to hear each other Mm -hmm. and to be there for each other when things are not going great. And when things are going great, Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And so moving forward, I would love to come to you and ask, what can I have your undivided attention? Mm. So you can hear what I have to say to you. Mm. And instead of attack with anger and leave with emotion, I'm going to leave with the feelings I have mm. because the feelings I have are my feelings. Nobody can argue with my shit. Mm-hmm. If I feel sad, I feel sad. That's yeah. not about you. A lot of times our emotions, we try to make our emotions about other people, mm. but our feelings are our own. <laughs> and there's a little deeper. So when we own our feelings and we're able to say, hey, these are my feelings. I'm, a hold, I'm not holding you responsible for them at all. Mm-hmm. You're off the hook. I just need you to hear what's going on with my feelings mm. and see if you can help me find a, a way forward with them. Mm. And that what that does is allows your partner to not, it frees them from responsibility, mm. number one. It also gives them an opportunity to serve you and help you and mm. grow with you. And it gives you the freedom of getting the shit out because that will eat you alive. Mm. If you just live with emotion mm. and your emotion drives your ship every day, mm-hmm. you have no idea where it's going. You're operating from a very feminine capacity. Mm-hmm. And so the masculine is able to process emotion, communicate emotion, mm-hmm. process emotion, communicate emotion. The feminine lives based off emotion. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to process our emotion and communicate. And that means that like we have to talk about the things that are bothering us. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It makes us powerful in the long run. It builds trust with the feminine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than a woman that sees a man that everything, hey, I'm good. Everything's good. That's a lie. That's a wound. Yeah. It's called the wounded masculine. Mm-hmm. Anytime a man says, I got it, I'm good. That's bullshit. He doesn't have it. He's falling apart on the inside every day. Mm-hmm. And that's going to burst out in some level of anger, rage, falling apart, hiding away something. Mm. So he, you need to get it out of you. You need to see it. Because a lot of times what we are having emotions around, once we look at it objectively, it's really not that big in the process. Mm-hmm. Or that emotion is not what we're actually feeling. Mm. We want to get to the underlying feeling. Yeah. No, that's so true, man. Yeah. You just, that was, that was really good. I want to say, first of all, let's thank you so much for your time like that. Like even just right now, I feel like I have so many more questions. We could dive even deeper and deeper. You brought <laughs> yeah, value just for me as well. Uh, before we finish off here, man, just let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at d.conscious.man. Or I'm on Facebook at Jim Vance. I also have a podcast with my wife called the Advance Your Life Podcast. Okay, okay. Uh, where we do, it's called Find Your Power Through Polarity. Okay. Which is pretty cool. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, I'm going to uh, put Jim's contact details in the detail section of the podcast. So wherever you're listening to, whether it's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, in a detail section, all his information will be. And yeah, man, I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on this. It was a pleasure of mine. I learned a lot and I'm definitely taking some things away from this. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mahama. Have a good one. Awesome, man. And just guys, as we finish up the podcast here, I just want to say my intentions for you as you listen to this is please, you know, not only for entertainment purposes, but take something away from this and start implementing in your life. You know, there's a lot of amazing content and nuggets that James just shared with us. And so I would say one of my biggest intentions for you is also to go and buy a journal and start journaling, especially because there's just so many benefits to it. Uh, But with that being said, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And until next time, stay an aware alpha.